Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did get 30, 30, get 30, bet get 20, 20, 20, bet get 20, 20, bet get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hello, hello. It is another week and we have another glorious guest. This week I am joined by Benji Webb of Skindred and Dub War. And Benji is here to give me that boom, boom, boom. Uh, You may not know, uh, I do enjoy a bit of the old metal music. You know, secret metalhead. You may look at me and go, you're all... You know, you're all ragtime music and a bit of the old jazz and the swing, aren't you, Joe? Well, no, no, I like, you know, I like, I like this, this, this rock music, as they say. No, I am genuinely, um, as a teenager, I was obsessed uh, with metal, and I occasionally revisit it. And Skindred is one of those bands that uh, stuck with me ever since I. I discovered them in my teens, um, and I'm so glad I got to talk to Benji. Um, thanks, many thanks to Zan Lawther, uh, previously of the Lounge Kittens. May they rest in peace as a band. Uh, but the wonderful Zan sorted this out. So um, eternal thanks to, to, to her, because otherwise I don't have any links into the metal world. I'm but a cabaret clown. And I'm so glad this has happened. What do I need to tell you? What do I need to tell you? Um, If you would like this ad-free and on Sundays rather than Thursdays, that's the Sunday before, not the Sunday after, um, you can find me on Patreon, which is mostly all music uh, and videos of the songs. Uh, But, you know, while these run, this is what Patreon becomes. Uh, So that's patreon.com forward slash Mr. Joe Black. And uh, by the time this comes out, I will have done my Brighton Fringe show, and hopefully it would have been all gorgeous. Uh, We can only assume. um, And you can catch me in Brighton again at the Comedia on July 6th for Klein's Cabaret, which is my uh, quarterly cabaret show at Comedia. August, I'll be in London at the Clapham Grand, I believe, on August 5th for Slay Station. I'll be in Berlin in July, Taunton Pride in July. What else am I doing? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, 
Let's hand it over to me and the absolutely fucking glorious... Oh, no, actually, before before we hand over, I must say, I've just sworn and it's reminded me. Strong language in this episode. Uh, there's always a little bit of strong language, but this is a... I'm warning you. Anyway, <laughs> this is me and Benji Webb. Well, good afternoon, Benji. Well, go on, bro. Well, go on. <laughs> How are you doing? Are you all right? I can't complain, but I got this thing on the middle of the screen I'm trying to get rid of. This meat, yeah, okay. I've agreed. I got it. Oh, I've agreed. Yeah, quick. Got, got it. I got it. Okay, there you go. <laughs> you had to I agree just to tell him I got it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're sat in a go. Is this your studio? This is my little room where I, where I the, where the magic happens. Yeah, this is all it. All the magic. Yeah, all, yeah this is the vibe. The double, yeah, this is the, the double, place where the I am. Skin dread. All the skin dread noise creation zone. <laughs> Yeah, all of this happening right here. Brilliant. Well, I'm going to admit at the very beginning of this that I, uh, you know, you shouldn't tell people your fear, you, that you're intimidated, but I'm going to tell you, I've interviewed authors, historians, pop stars, but you are the first bona fide fucking rock star I have had on this. Wow. So uh, I am pleased it's you. Um, you know what, bro? I'm honoured to be on. Doing my thing. <laughs> That's all good. Absolute joy. Right. I'm going to, I've been doing some research. And right. uh, as as one must do. Okay. You know, when I when I first heard of Skindred, uh, I was in secondary school, and someone said, "Have you heard this band, reggae and metal?" And I thought, that "Yeah, can't that can't be done? It can't be done. It's impossible." And then like you that. appeared, and I thought, it, "It's it's music that has uh, such soul and power, and anger and beauty, all beautifully mashed together." And then, like, so how did how did that start for you? What was the the beginning of that? What made you go right? Get this thing, get this thing, smash! I I grew up in a household. My mother and father they listened to pretty contemporary music, which I'm talking about. When con contemporary the music at the time was like um, a, a lot of the the reggae stuff that was coming from Jamaica, um, Desmond Decker, um, Alton Ellis, Gregory Isaacs, Dennis Brown. All this stuff was happening from the West mm -hmm. Indies. And also you had the soul stuff, the R&B coming from America. So my mother and father was digging that stuff. And, and then on the radio, you had all these, this Brit British music, um, Bowie, T-Rex, all this stuff. And this is the stuff I, I remember as a kid growing up and listening to. And I loved it. I loved all of it. I didn't like, a lot of my friends gravitated to the reggae. A lot of my black friends gravitated to the soul and the R&B. And that's what they liked. But I digged all this. I just digged all this stuff. Because for me, being a black Welsh guy, it, it just made it made me feel more that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to take all this world that I I loved and put it all in a bag, you know, mix it all up, you know. And that's that's exactly what I did, you know. Um, when I when I seen the specials as a kid, I must have been about forty, and I seen the specials, and I was like on the telly. This was on a BBC documentary. I went, "There's black guys and I'm white guys, and they look like they're from a shit community like I'm from," you know. They look mm -hmm. like they got fucking nothing and they look cool as fuck and they're, and they're playing the music that I want to do because I always wanted to make music which brought people together. The, you know, that unity sound, you know? And that's what the specials did for me and the, the whole, I'd say the whole um, second wave of ska in the UK brought black kids and white kids together. And I just wanted to make more of that, but I wanted to do it a bit more heavy and a bit more, a bit more mm -hmm. naughty, you know? Nice. Well, that makes sense. Because in another interview, you said that you uh, have the British flag with you on stage. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have the black um, and white British flag on stage. 
and that's not not because of uh, monarchy necessarily or any of that. No, it's no, no, I, bro. I, I, I got no no love for them people. They, they do what they do, <laughs> you know. But what I have got is love for for all the people in the country coming together. Yeah. That's 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 why I protect that British flag, the black and white one, you know. And that's what it means to me, black and white, and it's good and evil. It's all it's everything in that flag for me. You know, yeah. I used to take the red, white, and blue one, but when I discovered the black and white, I think that meant more to me. Yeah, because you said in this other interview, it was it was also about the those like you said, they're the British bands that you discovered. Yeah, of course, like, they're like but... the Clash and the Pistols and all that. Yeah, the, that's that's something that I you know when I go on stage, I always take all these bands in my mind, all these great front men, all these great bands that I've you know with skin to it. I go, I go on stage and take them with me in a strange kind of way, you know, in a weird spiritual kind of way. It's like. That's what I'm up there doing, representing, you know, I'm flying the flag for for the unity. That's beautiful. And you mm-hmm. you said that uh, that you grew up in a. Do you, I think you said shit community. I don't want to put yeah, words well, in I your mean, mouth. Yeah, well, I mean, like a, a council estate, pretty rough, you know. Yeah, same. Brothel down the corner, <laughs> half license begging for money outside on a Saturday night, you know. And you were working Bra- both. Yeah, just running back and forth the brothel and not license. It's fantastic. <laughs> but that's, yeah. New, that's Newport, right? Yeah, that's in Newport, Quake, yeah, South I, Wales. I, I've been uh, I've been there a couple of times, and uh, there was now something in my research. Something has made more sense to me. So one of the times I went there, the guy I was doing hosting a blessed show at a big venue in Newport, and the guy yeah. that owned owned the venue picked me up from the train station and drove me. And he didn't really say that much in the car, um, and we were driving, and out of nowhere he just went, "Cardiff took everything from us." Like yeah. that, and I, I thought, what is what does he mean? Like, because there's like there's loads of closed down venues and, and all. Oh of yeah, that. And I thought, yeah, yeah. Um, and then in my research, in the I think it was the nineties. Um, yeah. Someone called Newport the New Seattle. Yeah, they did. I mean, I was in a band before um, before Skindred. It was a band called Dub War, and um, at the time there was like six or seven bands got signed at the same time. None of the bands was anything like each other. But for some reason, there was must have been something in the water. But all these record labels were coming down to Newport, and bands were getting signed. Bands like the Sixty Foot Dolls, Novocaine, Fly Screen. These are all bands from Newport that all got signed in the same same couple of weeks. You know, I think there's something about kind of rougher towns or real, yeah, rough working class places that I think it breeds a real beautiful creativity with people because yeah. if you come from not necessarily nothing but not very much you're you have to work harder to make things work or what work with what you have to make things work and i, I mean i grew up in portsmouth uh, okay. which is which is much nicer now um but you know when i was growing up there it really it was really pretty rough and then but there's lots of artists and bands and photographers and yeah. all of that that have all come from there and i, I guess that's a a thing across the UK in these, like you said, the sort of shit, sort of shittier places. Yeah, yeah. That breeds the most. I'm sure there's some. There's the saying about uh, weeds, uh, flowers growing through the weeds. Or, through, yeah, three. Like I got that. Yeah. I think what it is, it's like one thing about Newport, which is great for me. And what I found out this, I was blown away. Joe Strummer from the Clash spent two years in Newport, and <clears throat> uh, in, in university. Yeah. And um, while he was in university doing art. He um he got to know the town a little bit. He, so he was in the daytime. He did. I hear, I heard that he was doing grave digging for the <laughs> in council. The day. Yeah, in the daytime <laughs> he was doing grave digging for the council when he was obviously not in university. But on a Saturday night, there used to be a place in Newport called the Silver Sands, mm. and it was one of them old school Shabine type of places. And that was the only place where you could get reggae music played 
like in a club. I mean, you go downstairs, there's one light bulb swinging. It's very scary, very freaky. <laughs> and Joe Strummer found himself in there listening to all this great music that my mother and father was playing. To, playing. And I think that's what, for me, that, that's that, knowing that story, to, to know what Newport was, you know what I mean? It had that attraction to it. And it still has. A lot of people come to Newport. Well, the universities are gone now, but a lot of people used to come to Newport and they never leave. Never leave. Yeah. Yeah, you know. I mean, a lot in 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 the interviews I sort of listened to and read with you, you've got a lot of love for Newport. Yeah, man. I mean, it's my town. I've I've lived in Florida. I lived in Florida for like four or five years, you know. And as much as I wish I could drag Newport over to Florida, you know what I mean. <laughs> but I, I can't do that. But I had to make a choice, and I I'm I'm happy that I'm home. Home is where the heart is, you know. And you've you've dubbed yourself the mayor of Newport as well. Right? No, 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 no. I got a few names, bro. <laughs> right, give it. The Painson Saint of Pill. <laughs> yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, one, but I, I, a lot of people say I'm the mayor, you know. But you know, it's, it's good fun. It's all in good fun. When you when you walk around town, people just sort of you doing all the shaking the hands. You you cut the ribbons. Yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, <laughs> for someone from a shit council estate, you know, I haven't done too bad. I lost my parents at a very early age as mm -hmm. well. So I think by the time I was thirty, my mother and father had both passed away. Yeah, you know, my mother threw a hat, and my father threw what they call. What did they say it was? Death by misadventure, which I'll never really understand. But mm. I grew so I grew up basically I, by my 21-year-old brother at the time brought me up and he was in a band, mm -hmm. you know, and losing your parents. Because I never had a bad childhood. I had one of them. My, my mother was so fucking funny. So funny. She was a great woman. And my, my father was my father was the guy who stood at the back, but he was a support, you know. But my mm -hmm. mother was my mother was. By all accounts, what I remember, you know, they, she she was definitely a lot of Benji Webb, you know, uh, within her, without the singing, you know. But she used to dance. She used to uh, dance a lot. Yeah, so I think that's that's where, where my roots lay. That's good. Yeah, does it, I mean, not to delve too much into the sort of the sadder aspects of it, but... Why? Uh, Come on. Well, go on then. <laughs> no, I'm fucking Had, wrong. Right, no. let's fucking no do on. it. Um, no more, yeah. Not to delve into uh, the sadder aspects of it, go on. It's uh, losing your parents so early. Does mm. that make you sort of? Because clearly, there's like a real passion about everything you do. It was yeah. that a kind of real appreciation of while it's there, love it, do the best you oh, can. Oh yeah, I, I think every day for me personally, losing my mother. I mean, when you go to school on on Wednesday and you come on Wednesday night and she's not there anymore, I think you re you realize that it, this life's too short and you just gotta fucking strike while the iron is hot. And do it today. Don't worry about tomorrow, because mm. no one got no, no one got tomorrow. So that's really that's my my, my that's make, become my mantra. Do it now. Mm. Don't wait for and, nobody. Do it now. And you've always you've always been like that. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm the sort of guy that when when I'm working with people on music and stuff, I, I'm like, and they go, oh, "We'll try that tomorrow." I say, "Fuck tomorrow. Let's do it now." Like you know, I'm I'm that guy. And that, my band members like they they know me for like, let's do it now. Instead of making the food cook, I want to eat it when it's still fucking. Still raw, you know. You want, want to get it burn, you want it to burn your tongue. Yeah, bro, I'm ready to go all the time, <laughs> and that's something about me, you know. I just, I'm, I'm, and I'm, for, I'm thankful that I'm like that, you know, because not everybody is, and I'm, I'm one of them people who, I want it now, you know. I can't wait, you know. Christmas, yeah. I want Christmas now, you know. I know. I think that's beautiful. I think it's one of those things that it takes to see someone else doing it to do it yourself. Like I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes I'll sit around and I go, oh, nothing's happened, and I feel a bit unmotivated. And if when I actually then do something, I go, oh, this is fucking brilliant. But that yeah. option was there to me the whole time. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't have to wait for the perfect moment. You can no, just you got to. I, I, like I said already, do it now, man. There's no time like the present. Do it now. 
because I mean, because Kindred are sort of constantly doing shows. When the... yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We but are that... definitely. When um, oh, the pandemic happened, sorry, sorry, when the pandemic happened, how did that affect kind of how you work then? If you're always like busy, 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 just do it now, do well, it now. Just before, just before the pandemic, I said to my 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 girlfriend, who's my wife now, I said to her, I would love to have some time. I've never spent. I mean, for twenty years, I've been on the road every summer, mm-hmm. festival, 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 all the time. And just, before, I think it was about twenty eighteen. I said to her, you know what, babe, I'd love to spend the whole of the summer home with you. Be careful what you fucking wish for. I think there was loads of friends did that. They were like, oh, yeah, I work so yeah. hard. I'd love some time off. Yeah, I'd love some time off. Well, I did wish, I did wish for that time when I got it. That pandemic dropped like a fucking bomb on us all. <laughs> um, it really shook us up. I mean, a, a lot of the bands and friends who I knew in the business ain't in there no more. You know, they mm-hmm. just had to get on and do other things. Fortunately, Skindred's been going 20 years, 20, 22 years now. Um, we've sort of built, I mean, with the same lineup as well, which is, which is amazing, you know? That's pretty unheard of, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I've had like six white women. I can't get rid of these three white boys, you know? Just can't get rid of them. <laughs> you know, and we just been, we went through it all together. And we haven't recorded an album for some time. We've been in the midst, starting to record an album. Well, start to write an album. And um, just, just couldn't get, just that pandemic hit. And it was just like a bomb in my life because I've never, never had time at home. You know, she was fucking sick to death of me. It's a wonder I ain't under the patio. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> but, but that... I, I, I was, I was very upset because that's all I've done all my, well, all my adult life is, is been in a band, you know, and that's all I've known. So, and then you had people on the telly, the government, and all that talking about. There's not going to be no more music, so you don't really know what to listen to. There's not music's going to change. It's not going to be the same. All this stuff, and I, I'm just sat there going, "This is all I've done." Mm-hmm. And then you got that Richie Sunak telling me to go and get a job painting and decorating. The fuck? That's, the music's what I've done. Fortunately, yeah. I didn't listen to him, you know, because yeah. I, I know people who actually did listen to him and they gave up their, their dream and their, and, their, and their ambition, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think during that time, being home in, at home in Newport, I, fortunately, my studio was kicking. The guys in the band kept sending music back and forth. And by the time it all came around again, you know, we had a killer album to go into, ready to record. You know, so as much as the pandemic was a bastard, it was a blessing as well for me. As a musician, as a a musician and as a creative being, it was a blessing. I did a lot of shit. I mean, look at this. I even wrote myself a fucking kid's book. You know? (laughs) This did not come up in my research. There you go. That's Colin the Kitten. So if anyone out there wants to buy their (laughs) nephew or their nieces or whoever they fuck they got a book, there's the wonderful ventures of Colin the Kitten. You can get it online. There you go. That's a plan for you. What does Colin do? What's his, Colin what's his is, vibe? is the coolest cat in town, bro. <laughs> He's a wonderful kitten. He just goes on different adventures. And I, I basically, my granddaughter, she's a pain in the ass, always in trouble. If she ain't suspended, <laughs> she's expelled. And that's the way she was. And I left it. I always used to tell my kids stories, you know. I used to always tell them stories as a little. I've never read them. I always, I always pick up books and just start making them up because I'm a shit reader. So I've been making them up. <laughs> so my granddaughter, who was, again, suspended or whatever, she was in a she, depressed in a room. She, um, she got, into, she got into some shit and I left her a little note, voice note and I made like six little stories for her to listen to at night. Mm-hmm. And that was one of them. And I sent it to my friend who was a, who was a great, great illustrator. And he said, you know what? There's a book there. I said, really? And he just started drawing the pictures and putting my voice to it. So that's when Colin the Kitten was born. The wonderful adventures of Colin the Kitten. Oh, yeah. oh that's fucking beautiful. Again, like and I was... said, you... 
Sorry. And that was and that was and that was because of the pandemic, you know. And I did so uh-huh. much during that time. I really, I think, as much as I couldn't wait for it to end, I think I was very creative and used the time wisely. Yeah, I think some a lot of people, you know, as sad as it was, it did give a lot of people room to kind of try new things or yeah. work on what yeah. they have. Or again, if you work and work and work, and particularly if you have to do a very particular thing. That yeah. gives you that space to then fuck around. Well, that's and, it. Uh, you know, we, we, we were writing back and forth, doing the what they call the remote writing. We got the album together. You know, so, I, you know, it was a, as much as, you know, I mean, I'm glad to be back on the road. I'm glad to be playing yeah. festivals. I'm glad, to, I'm glad to be seeing my band's name back out there doing it. And I'm looking forward to getting out there in the summer, you know? Yeah, and I'm sure the road has missed you as well. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, we've played, we've played a few shows since we've been back. We were fortunate that the, our first show back after the pandemic, well, when when it was sort of masks and all that weird shit and 20, 20 spaces away and all that crap. At our first show back was uh, the Download Pilot. It was a heavy metal festival we played in, in the UK and that was in front of 10,000 people. So we were blessed to get back and do that, you know? Oh, yeah, that was when they... Was that So that was the... They were used as a trial festival, weren't they? They were the trial festivals, safe, yeah. 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 So oh, I, That must I, have I been so blessed. surreal. Oh, it was great to be up there, bro. And I was fit as fuck because that's all I did during the pandemic was running and gym and, well, not gym, but got myself a push bike, rode, riding my push mm-hmm. bike every day. So by the time I got on stage, I was like, super Benji. Bro, yeah, you like, know. Yeah, <laughs> I was. been out of sleep and rest. Yeah, I, was, I, I killed it, bro. And I'm, you know, <laughs> that's why I'd say for me as well, the gym has been a, one of my best friends. Exercise has been something I, you know, I've embraced and I, I really enjoy it, you know. It's endorphins, isn't it? It's one of those oh, things yeah, I will say to exactly myself, I'll do. Ain't no drugs like endorphins, bro. You know. <laughs> yes. See, and it's, it's cheaper as well, that 20 quid oh, a month much or whatever cheaper, it is. Much cheaper, honestly. <laughs> Don't do it, kids. It's a trap. No, it is a it is a trap. You know, the first one's always free, all that shit. Yeah, that's really uh, safe. <laughs> serious. The, so you was, you know, uh, with that, with the sort of landscape of music and stuff changing so quickly there, you've been, you said 20, 20 years with Skindred, but then yeah. how long in... Touring band. Well, I say that I, I I was singing on reggae sound system because early days I fancied myself as a reggae singer, the, you know, the Welsh Maxi Priest, you know, <laughs> and uh, it didn't work as well as I wanted it to. I was singing on reggae sound systems up and down the country. It did a few in London, and I wanted to be this reggae singer. But then the punks thing that was still something that was tapping on me, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I so I did the reggae thing for a while. And when I met the guys from Dub War. Uh, I said I wasn't going to sing reggae no more. I was like, fuck reggae. I don't care about it. It's, you know, it's hurt, it's hurt my feelings too much. <laughs> and <laughs> Ginge said to me, because Ginge was Ginge, the drummer from Dub War, said to me, do some fucking dancehall stuff. Because it, it was a part, it was a rock band, you see, and I'm there mm-hmm. doing it, doing my rock thing. And Ginge said, fuck that, bro. Fucking everyone's doing that. Fat Lenny Kravitz, like, you know? <laughs> he said, do something, do something, do, do the reggae stuff on top of the rock. I'm telling you now, bro, if you do that shit, and I was like, oh, I do want to, I do want to. But you know what? As soon as I did it, it was that Charlie Chaplin moment. I got the hat, the little mustache. It was it. Found it, you know? Was that like an, a eureka moment? You're I like, think so, yeah. When I, when yeah. It's, uh, but the thing was, because you got to remember, I've been trying to get, get in bands and play music all my adult life. Well, from I was 15, I've been trying to do this shit. And as soon as, when, as, soon as Ginge said about doing, they're going to play rock, and i got to do some dancehall reggae on top of it, you know? As soon as Jin said do that, I swear within two weeks we had record companies knocking on our door. Fuck. And I believe, <laughs> and believe you me, for like eight, ten years before that, I was trying to get a record deal, trying, 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 and 
Within two weeks of me picking up the mic, they're playing the rock thing, and I'm doing this raggy stuff. Boom. It, it was, was not going to made in heaven. There's no one I else really so, doing it, is there? Huh? There's not really anyone else doing it, is there? No, there's a fair amount of bands out there mixing no. it up. There, there's, uh, there's, there's a lot. There is a lot. I mean, you got to remember, if I was inspired by it, I think Skin Dreader, uh, um, I think this is what we do really, though. It's not like um, contrived. I don't think we're doing this contrived in any way. I think this is this naturally being that, that, that um, the council estate kids, that kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I bring to the party, you know? And oh. I really, I really do believe that that's what's helped me along. Is the it's not just the music; it's the journey and, and the shit I've been through. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think, think experience says a lot, and I think people can tell when it's authentic as well. They're not. There's no way they're looking at you going like, "Oh, he's just doing this for fucking sales." Like they can tell yeah. that it is it is in, oh, it is bro, in your blood. I've, I've never. Do you know what? I've played in, in pubs in front of sixteen people. And I've played in front of festivals, in front of 80,000. And for me, for that minute I'm on that stage, it's exactly the same. I don't, if you ask anybody who knows me well, they'll tell you that he ain't out there for nobody except himself. He's a, he's a fucking horrible cunt. <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> in a good way, yeah. Yeah, yeah show, I, it's I just, showmanship. I just don't, I do not, I, I look at a chance to, like we said about Life's Too Short, whether it's a pub, with 16 people in there or a festival with 80,000, I'm doing the same thing, the same stick, the same vibe. I'm giving these people something to remember. And that's where, that's where I look at it because no one's promised tomorrow. You've only got the minute you're in. So let the gig I'm going to be doing, it's maybe, it might not be the gig I really wanted, but let me give these people what they fucking deserve. That's beautiful. And, and Edgar, that, that will be a testament to why you've had such a long career is that you are always given it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I, mean, I think uh, yeah. when I was a teenager, I heard this story when I was starting to try music and stuff. Mm -hmm. A uh, story about Tori Amos and how they saw Tori Amos. Are you familiar with Tori Amos? I am. I know the name. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. Because I mean, I'm sure she's got a, a massive career, but I've no. I've, she's been on the radar before. I know. That. Yeah, sort of delicate singer songwriter. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've that, got that. that they did. They saw her do a show to like ten people early on as someone's support act. And they were like, she gave all of that beauty, all of that, everything she gives, even just to those 10 people early on in her career. And that is why, why not? she's still working Why not? I mean, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of bands, uh, they go on stage and there's only a handful of people in there. And they take it out on the fucking people who's there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, know, they, you know, they're giving the crowd shit because no one turned up. It's not the crowd's fault, <laughs> just give them what you got, like, you know? If, in fact, with a smaller crowd, you... Give them oh, more if you can. Because those so. are the people I, I, that made the effort. I think exactly. I, I've I've never been. Um. I mean, look. Would I want to fill up Wembley Stadium every Saturday night? Fuck yeah, I would. But you know what? You got to play the game with the cards you've been dealt. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. And and sometimes you just get fucking shit hands like you know. But also, you can perform to ten thousand people. Uh, that might yeah, no, this is cool. But then you perform to a hundred people who are deeply in love with your art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you get a whole. That's a better. Of course, experience. you know what I what I really enjoy though. I like going. I like supporting bands, especially when they got a hardcore fan base. Because I love the turnaround, and I think there's nothing more. Yeah, you can play in front of the, preaching to the converted is great, mm -hmm. right? You know you got it. You know what songs. Is, da, da, da. But when you get on onto a cold stage where nobody knows who you are, I think that's when you can do the most damage. Well, do you know what? That was actually something I was going to ask later on, but I'll move it towards now. So you're yeah. going on tour. You're going on tour with Kiss. Uh, yes, we are. Well, tour doing arenas. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm really curious uh, with, again, because of the kind of blended music you do, when you're put on with other acts, you're not going to be put on with acts that do what you do. You are going to be different to the headline, right? Yeah, definitely. What's, yeah. 
like you you said that you love going out onto that cold stage. And what I love about support acts lots is that the expectation is different. People are not there to go, right, I'm going to see Skindred. I want to hear this song, this song, this song. Yeah, yeah. They're there to see Kiss. You are a nice bonus or whoever it is. Yeah. That you then get that beautiful thing of just going out. And we're going to go out and do a Kraken show and just show people what we yeah. do. Because the expectations are so different. That's what right. Go your favourite supports? Um, I enjoyed, I've enjoyed, you know what, we've, I don't know if you ever heard a, a band called Gogo Badello. Uh, they are actually one of the dream ones I would like to support. <laughs> right, there you go. Well, Gogo Badello, um, Eugene, Eugene Hutz came up to me in, in a festival in, in America and said, I want you guys to come on the road with us. We have the Gypsy Punks. And I said, all right, cool enough. And we did the whole, and we did the tour in America with them and Europe. And mm-hmm. I think the way they treated us and the way they dealt with us was fantastic. You know, and then, you know, that's one alternative band, obviously um, the, the Gorgo Badello. But then um, on the other hand, the metal band we've toured with and treated us so great. There's been a band called Disturbed and their audience at us up and the Gorgo. But so it's like with that, with Skindred is a band that can sit sit in a, in a certain pocket and there's always going to be people into the place that, that dig us. You know what I mean? Because we, we deliver a show which which is grabbing you and shaking you and saying, look, this is the time, not tomorrow. And people get that vibe off us, you know? Mm-hmm. But you've got a real uh, master of ceremonies vibe, I think, as a as a front man. Real host, kind of, that you're conducting it and yeah, holding the room. I'm, yeah, I'm going for, I'm not just that single guy on the stage. Yeah, I'm definitely grabbing everybody's attention and, you know, t- taking them out of their comfort zone. Because music is not supposed to be comfortable. You know, it's rock and roll. It's supposed to be edgy. It's supposed to be like, you know, it's supposed to be selling to get the fuck up and rock. Like, you know, there's things like that mm-hmm. that... I think if I walked into a into a into a pub and did it, it would be different. But when you're on stage, there's a magic cloud that comes with you, and you get away with fucking murder. You know? Oh yeah. You know oh, what I mean? I know. And, and people, <laughs> um, unfortunately, people are open to that. You know, they can yeah. see that, and they are open to that. And I think that's over the years. I think not making it and a very when I say making it, I mean we've like I said we've always done the thing. But I think if this would have happened sooner, I don't think I would have had the skills to actually deal with it. You really need to get the skills together for longevity. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh yeah. And I mean, work ethic and passion and, uh, and all of that as well. But you also just back on the, onto the front man thing in previous interviews, you said it's quite a vulnerable place to be as well. And it was Hell in regards yeah. to, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, if someone wants to throw something at you, just fuck all you can do about it. <laughs> You know, you're gonna get hit. You're gonna get hit with something. And, and I've had stuff thrown on stage at me. They're mostly cowards who throw fucking things and hide mm-hmm. after they throw it. You know, a bunch of pussy holes, I call them. You know, that they they, they 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 well, you never throw it back, <laughs> Joe. Joe, never throw stuff back because you'll hit the wrong fucking person, yeah. and then you'll have ten thousand people throwing shit at you. <laughs> right, I've, I've out, not had the experience. <laughs> look, look for them. And just make eye contact. Just make eye contact with a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and they know. Yeah, you never throw it back, bro. You gotta, right, you that's, li- that's good you advice. You just got to sharpen that tongue up, bro, and be quick with it, you know? <laughs> they'll the be, they'll be soon you. embarrassed. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ooh, it turns quick. It turns fast when you fuck with a crowd. There's more of them than you. Oh, yeah. I mean, have you had many, like, I don't know, dicey experiences with crowds? Well, I tell you, one, 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 yeah. I mean, like, you got, bro, I mean, like I said, just pay, sometimes you just got to pay no attention 
to people who are fucking with you because otherwise they're going to ruin your buzz. It's like I've played in front of like 15,000 people. Everyone's going crazy and there's six assholes in a front like that. And I pay mm -hmm. more attention to them six assholes than I do the fucking rest of the people in there. So I lose the party because of these six people. Bro, when you're up there, you're on your own and you just got to have the best time you can have. That's, that's, my, that's my thing. Yeah, no, I do the same thing. If there, cause, yeah, like, however many people in the room, there's that like, one person looking at me like, oh, I fucking hate you. Yeah, it's like I, like sometimes when we play shows, like we're doing our thing and it's three people on the party and we'll finish the song and it's still there just looking. I go, hey, we're the fucking headline. There's no one after us, like, you know, fucking enjoy yourself. <laughs> you know I what mean, I mean? You're quite high energy as well. I can't imagine yeah, how someone's yeah, I'm, just I'm, sat I'm, there I'm like... Call, I'm a, definitely a bouncing beam, bro. I definitely go for that, you know? Serious. But famed, famed showman. Anytime you know you're mentioned, it's always like, oh fuck the live shows. Yeah, well that's what it is. I mean, the records are one thing, but I think the live show is where my heart is and where I want it to be. You know, yeah, if I, I had to choose, if I had to, prefer, choose yeah. to record or to be called, play live, I would definitely choose the live option. Yeah, I mean, I was I was going to ask that, and you've yeah, you've just beautifully answered that. And is that because is is it the the being on stage for yourself or is it the back and forth with the audience or what, what is that about the lives that you prefer if given the choice? Well, you know what, the way I look at it is like this, right? The, the live thing for me going on stage, that's what you got. I mean, if you had to say to me, I want to do one, you can only do one thing in music. Can record no more, nothing, no videos. I pick the live thing because you know what? I can control the live thing. I can actually control that. Everything else is out of my hands. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't fucking just go, this is the song we're doing that because I got three other brothers who, who you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a democracy, you know, and sometimes mm -hmm. the things I want don't happen. Yeah. But as soon as we pick the set on tour, that's, that's the set we're going to be doing. You know, we might move stuff around for this and for what reason, whatever, but that's the set we're going to be doing. So for me personally, being, being on stage is the best part about being in a band. It's curious that you that you said that is that what, that's what you can control because I would have thought recording would be what you can control because you can do well, it. Well, I know what you mean, but again. I mean, I definitely know what you mean, but I think being in a being in Skindred, you definitely need a referee in the fucking room, bro. Because you know we've had we've had twenty years of like a lot of fucking heads button, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes we, instead of a producer, we should have a fucking referee with a whistle. You know what I mean? Time out, <laughs> motherfucker. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly, because it's like that. But when you're on stage, you've picked the songs. Yeah. There's no argument about the lyrics. They're done. There's uh -huh. no argument about the drum beat. It's done. No mm -hmm. argument about the bass or what solo's coming in there. It's done. The fucking song you're going to play. And that's what I think is what we control. That's the time you can control it, you know? But the, li the live arena is is also quite unpredictable and i think that's part of the beauty of it for me is that yeah. things can go wrong audiences oh yeah can be i mean really you know unexpected what? things have gone wrong on stage i mean yeah they have gone wrong but you know i think one thing i do depend on is the fact that i can fucking sing mm -hmm. so when all else fails when the guitar goes down i'll start singing a cappella and shit mm -hmm. you know i'll take the crowd on another journey and you never know what magic there's things that's happened on stage which have been mistakes that we've used time and time again. Oh yeah, that's because, that's how these things happen. Because that and that's the beauty of it. And then like you know, I'm I'm stood there like this, fucking out. You know, I mean like that Newport helicopter thing where the people all take off their t-shirts and one, two, three, four. That came Wait, from. What's that? We got. Have you ever seen the Newport helicopter? I I no. <laughs> Dude, you get your fucking laptop. Type in skin dread newport helicopter you should have done that no that's something you should have done joe <laughs> fuck me oh fuck 
Yeah, if you got another computer, I'll wait for you. Google that shit. Right, hang on. I'm just, Don't it, worry, we can always we can always edit it. Right, hang on. So is am I going on YouTube for this? Go to YouTube. Newport helicopter. Skin dread. Helicopter. Right. How do you spell helicopter? There we go. Hello, Joe Black Solo here. Just to explain, the video I watched was them at Download Festival, uh, and the Newport helicopter is people taking off their tops and spinning them above their heads. It's ever so glorious. So while I watch this, we're going to have a quick little ad break. See you in a minute. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That's the newborn helicopter. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll edit that yeah, in to be you. a lot slicker. Um, of course was, you will. Uh... But that, that, so that's the newborn helicopter. And like I said, from, from happy accidents, they, they become things that you, you mm-hmm. just become, become part of the show. And that everybody, when, when we first did that, I can't remember, I think it was 2011 at Download. Now people come to see Skin Dread just to see that fucking happy accident that happened at Download. <laughs> Because I never knew for what it was going to be. A, the first time I did it, I didn't know whether it was going to be a train wreck. No one was mm-hmm. going to do it. It was a fucking... The good thing about it, it was a beautiful sunny day. And the whole field was up for everybody just fucking taking off their top, holding it up. Yeah. That, that, and that's that, and them kind of things keep developing all the time, you know. They keep developing throughout the show. And that's something you control then, you know. Well, so, I mean, that's the beauty of live performance, isn't it? Yeah, man. What, yeah. Th- there was something in that that uh, was going to be another one of the talking points, which brings us beautifully to it, is that you are a man that enjoys a nice dressing up. Oh, dude, I, my wardrobe, bro. <laughs> Love it. You had a beautiful see... Union Jack sequin on then. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that was, yeah, I still got that as well. And you know what? A lot of these, as you'll know, some of the things you only wear once. Yeah. <laughs> some, some of the, sometimes some of these things you'll only wear once. I've never worn that jacket since I wore it at that festival. You know, <laughs> it was a special and occasion. I, well, if, I, if I'm drunk, out the back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I love, I love, um, I love the the whole dressing thing. I love it. I mean, even when I was a little kid, playing one of the kings in the school play. You know, in, in mm-hmm. one of the in the nativity play. When I put that crown on and all that, that's when I knew it was time to party. 
you know, and I've been like that. And I, I, I lost it for a while. For a long time, I was just, just wore any, just, we just wore like a jacket, blah, blah, blah. But then I started getting into the flair and wearing the, like, the, you know, the, the sequins and I, and I love it, you know, and it just makes me feel like part of the, it is for me, that's the biggest part of the show. Mm-hmm. Is, is what and people are like, what's he gonna wear on this tour? What's he gonna do on this tour? And it's always fur, feathers, sequins. I just love that shit. Well, it, you know? it marries everything together. It gives it. Yeah, heightens. I mean, it's, it's separate. It's, I mean, a lot. Not everybody's into that kind of thing, especially in rock music. They they try to be a bit tough. Some of the guys try to be like a t-shirt and jeans and that. But I'm like, no, nah, man. I, I want to be Liberace up there. You know. In <laughs> fact, I want to be Nigarachi. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I want fucking feathers. I want I want the vibe to be rocking, you know? And I know by doing that, by by putting on the, the, the sequins and getting the big hat and the, all that, I love it. I mean, I think that's part of me as a front man in Skin Dread. That's exactly what I should be doing because people want to see that. You know, people want to be entertained. Yeah. They don't want to see what you, they don't want to see the fucking guy who goes to Asda every Wednesday, you know? You know, when I when I when I go and see bands live, it's the ones that I could love their music. I you know I I could be deeply in love with everything they do, and if they just stand there in t-shirt and jeans and do it, I'll go like, oh, I love the music. But there's not much else to say about no, the show. No, there I tell you, videos, whatever. But no, I like I like the costume changes. I I think that's where the magic is. You know, um, if I get if I get three costume changes on a, in a, in an hour set, I'm quite happy. <clears throat> you know. Yeah. Not not even just that, though, but like as an example, not to slag anyone off, but Mm -hmm. so I saw sort of relatively near to each other. I saw St. Vincent, Jack White and uh, Placebo. Um, St. Vincent, you know, she obviously looks great. I don't know how familiar you are with with us. Yeah, I'm not. I'm familiar with I I know Placebo, though. Um, and yeah, love their music, but they didn't, nothing really much happened on stage. So as deeply in love as, as I was the music, I was like, cool. Well, I've, I've seen them now. Yeah. And it didn't feel like a, a show. And he sounds exactly the same as the recording, which is amazing because his yeah. voice is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but the show didn't really give me very much. Whereas in, in the other side is Jack White. There wasn't props and costume change. Well, there was props, but like there wasn't big costume changes or a massive, massive amount of production other than a screen. Yeah. But there was yeah. something about the way he held himself and the way he moved that just yeah. really gave it that something else. And it sounded like the recordings. There was like some bits different, but just you know, they were both rock shows, but one yeah. gave so much more. Well, that's what that's what um, a lot of people. You know, I'll be honest with you. A lot of people go to see a band once mm-hmm. or twice. But I'm telling you what, I hear people have been to see Skin Dread, bought tickets 25, 30 times. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, you know, that's props to them. And they're coming because they're getting a show. They're getting, they're getting it time and time again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, he, he's not up for it today or you don't feel like it. This is all I got. Mm-hmm. So this is all I'm giving. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and people just, people keep coming back to the show. I mean, like there's some fans have seen us like stupid amounts of times on the same tour as well, you know, and, and, and it's incredible. And I know well, it's not because, you know, we, we're like watching paint dry. It's because they, we're giving them a show. Yeah. It's like you were saying those happy accidents as well. It could be, yeah. you know, that, that Newport helicopter thing happens, something else happens, and they go, what's he going to do next? Exactly. That's exactly what it is like, you know, that, um, and that's exactly what people's, that's what people come for, you know, is, is the, um, is the, oh, my God factor. What's going to happen next, you know? Mm-hmm. That kind of... Uh... 
unpredictability, but in like a fun way. It's not unpredictable yeah. as in like he's going to lose his shit and glass someone. It's like what, <laughs> what, what you might do. Lose his uh, shit and glass someone. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's that's not that's one. not what I think of you, but no. you know, it was just the first yeah. one that came to mind. I'd never seen you do that, <laughs> nor expect you to. Yeah, that's fucking great. That is. Yeah. On the uh, on the subject of sequins, actually, and I don't know whether. She might be uh, not necessarily telling the full truth. Uh, how this interview happened, dear listener, is uh, we have a mutual re- uh, friend called Zan Lothar, who was mm-hmm. in a group called the Lounge Kittens, and they they enjoyed a bit of sequin. And, yeah, they did. Uh, and uh, she she re- re- regales the story like you saw them in sequin and went, "Go on, I'll have a bit of that now." And from then on, it's constantly been in sequin. Is she I, telling the truth? I could. Well, believe it, bro. I could well believe that it would have been about the same time that I started going, I am going to wear this t shirt and these jeans on stage anymore. I'm going to set myself free. So it's Zan. Think, Zan I is think, the whole reason. I th- I don't think she's the whole reason, <laughs> but I'm sure she. I'm trying to think. I was going for it before I met them, but I think I, I felt the good energy off them. And I know mm-hmm. that, you know, when they, when they, I used to be, I, w- I couldn't wait to see what they'd be wearing next. That was it. Mm-hmm. That was it. You know what I mean? And I used to like go to watch them and just because they always had these cool fucking sequinsy kind of vibes happening. Yeah, but definitely respect the, the, the lounge kittens. They were cool cats. I loved them. And then sadly, they're, not, they're no longer together. But, I know, uh, man. I know. They were ever so good. Actually, that, that, that's a nice little segue is that, they're, you know, they were a cover artist band and they would, you know, interpret other people's songs in sort of funny or tragic or beautiful ways. Yeah. I, uh, I was thinking about this is that is Skindred covers is not something that I've seen very much of. And I, I don't know whether it's because I'm not looking hard enough, but I feel it's because they it they don't work unless it sounds like you. Therefore, yeah, I mean, we've done we, we, we uh, there's a couple you can look out for. We did a cover of um, Back in Back in Black by ACDC. Oh, no, I meant covers of Skindred. Oh, there's a lot of covers. People doing covers of Skindred songs. Yeah, but they, they they're pretty crap. <laughs> because it has to sound I was trying to think about this and I was like how would you do Skindred without doing an impression of you yeah sometimes it just sounds like the, the horrible cookie monster you know <laughs> you know That's especially Tom, Tom I, I'm, not the being, I'm, not, I'm not being racist or anything but it's, it's we got a lot of Italian fans who who, who sort to do Skindred covers and it's like oh please don't don't but yeah <laughs> I've got a reaction video I'll send it to you i got a reaction video of me watching some um, cringy uh, skin dread, um, skin dread covers. Yep. <laughs> I like the the Cookie Monster thing. Have you seen that yeah, video? Yeah, T- total, yeah. Total more zig and zag than more have zig you... and zag than um, you know, that's the vibe. Have you seen the video of someone's put uh, Tom Waits God's Away on business over the Cookie Monster? Oh, it's a fucking. I love Tom Waits. <laughs> no, I'll have to. I haven't seen it. I'll have to look out for that. There's you've got a song. Is it called Rat Race? And then you, uh, it's a line about free cheddar in the mousetrap, which is. Uh, th- there's if, always know, free cheese inside a mousetrap. That's uh, right. Because there's the Tom Waits lyric of there's always free cheddar in the mousetrap, baby. It's a yeah. deal. Oh, was yeah. that in your head Tom when you said Tom... that? I think I think Tom Waits is one of is, is my is my brandy friend. I drink brandy and listen to Tom Waits. He's been an inspiration to me throughout a lot for, for a number of years. He is my he is my absolute favorite. If ever anyone said you can listen to nothing else but one person, pick it now, it'd be Tom Waits. Like yeah. wouldn't miss a beat. Yeah, when I when uh, I first met my when I first met my girlfriend, that she'd come around and we and I put Tom Waits on. She'd just sit there going, "Hmm, this is different." <laughs> but which one were you putting on? Were you putting on early or later? Oh, bro, do you know I like the early stuff, man. You know the oh, piano's the... been drinking and stuff like that. 
some of that old shit. Yeah. That's when he, he was a bit softer, and then it kind of yeah. got to the mid eighties, and he went all like, "There's a man with yeah, one yeah. eye." Did you know that Tom Witch, um he lived upstairs to the Jackson Five when he first went, went to LA to try and get a gig? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, there, there was a, I think they called um, Oakwoods, the Oakwoods Apartments, and they're in the middle of Hollywood. And um, a lot of people who tried to make it into the business and different acts. And you go, because we stayed there for a while as well. But um, yeah, Tom Waits was upstairs and the Jackson 5 was down. What a combo. Well, because sometimes I can't, I'm not sure if to believe anything he says, because he, you know, he, he's got a habit of weaving tales, isn't he? But I like that. I mean, you know. No, that's like a beautiful part of it. I, you, know, you know, I don't know if you ever hear this guy from Australia called Chopper. And he said, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And I think that's something that people should really live by. You know? Oh, yeah. This is, I mean, this whole interview was a lie. It's not even you. I've been putting on your voice the exactly. whole time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Deep, what do you call it? Deep something or the other? Deep deep fake or some shit? Deep, yeah, man. Deep that fake. Yes. This is actually deep all fake. AI. You all never know, bro. You never know. Yes. <laughs> listen, have you heard Joe Biden rapping? Says it all. Well, I, I mean, that could have happened. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, bro, it's good, mind. It's too good to be true. That, well, you know, we can, if if it's good, let's just believe it's true, maybe. Yeah, of course. Let's take it, man. It's just, a good story is a good story. That's why what, what you want to upset if I'm looking for the truth. I'm going to Google it. Fucking Google it then, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> because the internet never lies. No, no, it can't. Right. Do you know what doesn't lie is that you've had a long. This is a fu- that was a fucking stop there. Me trying to go back on track. It. Um, what doesn't lie is that obviously the length of time you've been in the music industry and you have seen it shift, yeah, and yeah. move mm-hmm. and like, uh, like I was gonna say earlier about the pandemic where that changed everything very suddenly. You because you've yeah. been in it so long, you've seen every iteration of how it works, rearrangements yeah. of. The, the logistics of, of the business yeah. like how has that how has that been for you to to move with I guess I I, I personally think I, I used to well in the beginning it was all about the record deal wasn't it mm-hmm. getting the record deal that's that's what was important but I think we're at the stage with with all this social media and with all this technology that we got the record deal doesn't mean that much I think what mm-hmm. really means more than anything is a good song Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're rapping, whether you're screaming, just I think if you've got a good song, you don't need a record label like you used to. You know, the big hunt for the record deal, I think them they ripped us off fucking long enough, you know. And I think people can people don't have to. It's come full circle where people don't need a record label like they did once. No, you can distribute you know? it yourself. You can, if you can get distribution, do it yourself. I swear, if I had a time machine, I wouldn't have fucking got a record deal. You know, if I could have spoke to my if I could have spoke to my younger self. I'd have said one thing, don't worry about fuck all. Don't worry, because everything works out. You know, that's mm-hmm. all I would say, because I spent a lot of years worrying about record deals <laughs> and worrying about that, you know, and I wish, I wish, well, I can't wish anything, but, you know, I think in this day and age, artists have got the ball in their hand and they haven't got to give it up. They haven't mm-hmm. got to give it up like they used to. Well, because MySpace was kind of, I, uh, I mean, hopefully I'm getting my timeline correctly. MySpace for artists in general was that time when the power kind of went to the artists a bit more because they were in control of what they uploaded. Yeah. You know, uh, what they put out there, how they conducted themselves. And I guess that that's the beginning of the kind of modern social yeah, media Yeah, I'd use. say so, yeah, yeah. And you, you, your picture was always up there, you know? <laughs> were you a fan of that, the high angles? I, do you know what? I've never, the whole technology thing, I've never been down, bro. I mean, I liked it when you used to go to a gig 
and you'd have a piece of paper on the desk and people would have to put their name on name and address and phone number on there. I, I like that. They call, <laughs> they, and they call it a mailing list. Oh, never, never heard of it. Don't there you what, go, don't man. There you go. That was back in the day. No, I remember, yeah. I remember going you go to, to the see... merchandise with a piece of paper and put it down there. You'd leave it on the thing and all the people who liked you, they'd actually come over with a pen, write their name, address and phone number. And you, and then you'd contact them through mail. That's how long I've been fucking doing it. You get their address and send it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you've got fuck, you, the post office. You're very popular there. You're like, I would like. Yeah, this George many loves me, mate. George in the post, he loves me, mate. <laughs> I remember going to a gig once, and one of the it was for the Dresden Dolls, and then one of the support act. It was like it was a mailing list, but not. Uh, it was emails rather than okay. addresses. And yeah, he yeah. Did this thing where he played uh, an instrumental. And he handed this book and a pen to the crowd. And he said, just put your email addresses down. And he just kept playing this instrumental until it had made its way around the crowd. Yeah. And it took so fucking long. Um, and it, That's I the Dresden that... Dolls, right? Yeah, it wasn't them that did it. But it was the Dres- it was the guy called Thomas Truax who was opening okay. for them. That was at the... Yeah. Um, the Astoria, which is now obviously sadly gone. Really brilliant you, venue. Spent some great nights it. in there. A few times, yeah. I mean, you've done. I mean, you've done Brixton Academy how many times now? I think we've done Brixton three times. You know, that's one of those places, isn't it, where oh, it's like holy you... of holies. You know, mm-hmm. it's holy of holies. I think we, hopefully, we get to play that again one day soon. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely one of them places that I stood at the back and gone, my God, imagine if all these people in here were here to see us. You know, and that dream's come true a few times. Mm-hmm. Very blessed. Mm-hmm. What, was there a moment for you with uh, with Skindred uh, specifically, I guess, where you kind of went, fuck, we've made it? No. No? Hmm? Not even to this day, bro. I look, I look at it like if there's, if there's a ladder with 10 steps on, we're on number three. Mm-hmm. That's the way I feel. I, I don't think we've made it. I don't think we've got back what we've given yet, you know? Because I find that strange because some people I, I ask that kind of question to and they... It's, I guess it's where your expectations keep shifting or, or developing is that yeah. at one point you go, oh, I wish I could play a gig. And then you play a gig and you go, well, I wish I could play a gig to this many people. And then you play a gig to that many people. And I guess the expectation keeps. Yeah. Yeah. I'm moving. just, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty happy that I I, I still am hungry. I'm oh, still yeah, it's a driving more. force. Yes. It is a driving force for me. It's a driving force that, that keeps me awake at night. You know, that I just don't think I've reached enough people with a message. You know, I don't think I've 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 had the fair slice of the cake and I and I feel like that. You know what I mean? I, I'm not greedy and I don't and I'm not talking about money. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about more of this and more money. I'm talking about reach people with a good message of upliftingness, unity and love. There's more people who could hear this message and, and take it on board, you know? And and that's what doesn't keep me awake at night, but I just keep reaching for that. I just keep reaching. You know, it's got, it's and I like a Sorry. Unfortunately, the three guys on stage with me, they feel exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what's kept four men on stage together for fucking 22 odd years and all being on the same page. We might be totally, and we are totally different people on a diff, totally different missions, but when it comes to what we're doing with this band, I feel like we all believe in it that much that we know that we haven't had the right slice yet. It's got an almost religious quality to it, how you were saying then, like you were spreading the gospel, you're spreading the good word. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, 
you know, religion is chains. And I like to look at it like uh, this is something that, I mean, I look at skin dread like a sound system. A lot of people say you're in the back. I look at it like a sound system with instrumentation, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what we've been doing. And that's why we can do the things that we do and drag so many different kinds of people in. And I think it's really important that when, you, when you've when got something to say, you say it with passion and that I want, I don't want you to like just come to a skin dread concert and say, oh yeah, that was good. I want you to be, I want you to be uplifted. I want you. To, I want. I want the the music to take you on a journey throughout that. And if you found Skindred's lyrics on a bus without the music, I want you to read the lyrics and be encouraged. Mm-hmm. You know, to be encouraged and be mm-hmm. uplifted. If you fucking don't, if, we. I make music for the depressed, the lonely, and the sad and the hurt because I want to. I'm that same person, so I want to be encouraging others to. So reach a little, you know, go the extra yard. You know, when you're going through hell, keep on fucking going. You're already going through it. You know, and I hear it's time and time again, bro. Time and time again, I got people calling me through, through through the medium of the internet and they say to me, like, I feel suicidal, blah, blah, blah. And I got to talk, I'm down. And I do it. And I do it regularly, mm-hmm. you know? And I think you got to, you know, you got to take a responsibility of, like, not just being the guy on stage <laughs> who's taking the money for the T-shirts, but you got to give people something. Give mm-hmm. give people something. And they give me... When, when I hear the things like, you know, my father was this and, and he loved the band and that just encourages me more and more, bro. And I, and I mm. want that more and more. And I want to give that what we got. I want to give more and more as well. I was going to say, what is your, what is your sort of relationship to, to fame? Because uh, what, what's interesting about this listener, I mean, Benji, you don't have a fucking clue who I am, which I think is really fun. Um, <laughs> is that I'm famous for a very particular thing off of a reality TV show. So my kind of fame is linked to, personality kind of regardless of work even though i do work and do sort of cabaret shows and music shows and comedy shows yeah it's kind of secondary to the me as a personality so i'll get stopped in the street quite a lot because people recognize me off of a tv show right okay whereas your fame is very much driven by this work and this artistry and that's what links it all together i can you know benefit my artistry can benefit because of that appearance on tv but yeah. it's a very different thing how what is your relationship to famous as it sits with you or would you even consider yourself famous like i don't well i i, I don't look at like i mean i get recognized but i don't look at fame it's, it's, i mean david bowie's famous you know michael jackson's famous prince is famous i, I i'm just one of the guys who fucking been busking for years and getting away with it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's the way I look at it, you know? And never, like, you know, I don't get me wrong, I've signed on for a long time and I prefer this than fucking signing on, you know? Yeah. But <laughs> I just don't look at it like I'm famous, you know? I, I'm I, When I go out for a drink, I don't really want to be fucking signing autographs. I mean, if I do a DJ set, that's cool. Then I know I'm famous, but they want me to come, they want me to sign, they want to take pictures, mm-hmm. selfies, all that shit. But on a regular day-to-day, I live in a, council estate in a shit old town and i'm still there now and i could be any fucking way in the world and i choose to be here i think i think that's beautiful i think that's you know i mean i mean it's getting it's getting worse out there it's getting worse out there but (laughs) the (laughs) the the world not just the estate not just the estate you know it's all coming together you know but um yeah i i wouldn't consider myself to be famous as such i do enjoy you know when people come up and go hey can i have a picture can i have an autograph i love all that shit i fucking Mm -hmm. love it you know what i mean but I think there's, like I said to you earlier, if there's 10 steps on this on the ladder to where I want to go, I'm on number three. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I look at the music I make. And hopefully one day I'll reach where I need to go. But at the moment, it's still a struggle. It's still a battle every day. You know, we're still working, working for the goal. 
I lo love, love, love that hunger. Uh, by the way, I just before I forget to mention it, we have met very briefly before. Uh, and that was, I did the pre-show uh, party for the Kerrang Awards. Okay. And I remember, I mean, this was maybe about 10 years. It was like an Alice in Wonderland themed thing. I remember that Alice in Wonderland theme. And you, yeah. were, you were in a Union Jack tuxedo. That and... was the same year then. That was 2011, bro. Oh, that yeah, was the same year as you just seen. Because I only, like I said, I wore it to the Kerrang Awards, and then I wore it on the on the Saturday to, to to download, and that was the last time I wore it. So that was that's when we met. Then there you go. But, and then what what had happened was uh, I stayed and watched some of the ceremony, and uh, I had maybe taken uh, great advantage of the free bar, and they were having an after party, and I was. I was, I should have just gone home and I was sort of still hanging around. I was like, I'm going to go to the after party. And then I was like, who wants to come with me? And then you just sort of, you were talking to Lizette, Vivid Angel. Okay. Yeah. Do you, do you know her? I think that's who you were talking to. Who, who was I? Vivid Angel. Vivid Angel, sideshow performer. Vivid, oh yeah, Vivid, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're talking to her, and then she sort of went, oh, Joe wants to go to the after party, go with it. You were like, I'll go with you. But then that was, I was like, I'm too drunk, I can't be in public. Because I'd already met some of Slipknot in the toilet, and I think I wasn't very cool about it. So yeah, I was no, like, I... no, I need to remove myself from this situation. Yeah, yeah. And so I was good, like... Good that you had the, the sense to go away. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, and as I was leaving, I was sort of like wobbling and looking on my phone, and then I like walked into Rob Zombie, and I looked up, and I was like, I can't be here. I yeah. have to go. Yeah, <laughs> That's definitely time to leave. I, sh I should guess about that going on sometimes myself, believe me or not. Yeah, that's, uh, I've, I've never been, uh, you know, uh, we all like to continue a party, but I've never been prouder of myself to go, Joe, this might be a very nice party, but I don't think you belong here anymore. Yeah, you, you've, you've, you've overstayed your welcome. Yeah, <laughs> in my own mind anyway. Yeah, that's right. right. It's time to get out. At least you had the sense to say I got to go. There you yeah. go. I think after after I'd like said something dreadfully uncalled or want to slip not, and I think that was the beginning of like Joe just yeah. leave. Um, yeah, them, right. Them 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 Kerrang parties they can get very much like that. I've been to a few. <laughs> yeah, I've been well, to a I, few. Uh, I've not been invited back since. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Me me neither. <laughs> um, right. Let's talk about your new album. Yes, we got a new album coming out on the fourth of. August and it's called Smile. There's the cover. Beautiful. Yeah. And there's the code thing. See, I call it the code thing. The code thing. Ordinary. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and it's um Smile is out on Ewig Records the fourth of August. And I'm pretty excited. We've had a couple of singles released off there so far. And um, yeah, there's some monster songs on there, there's some really big songs. And this is the songs that I wrote during the pandemic. It's funny because when you when we um was writing this album, because we had so much time, like your first album, you get all your life to write. Mm -hmm. The second album, you get six months. Mm -hmm. You know, so this album actually feels like the beginning again. You know, I've mm -hmm. had the time to write it. I I, I made mistakes on the uh, and I could scrap it. It wasn't like a record company saying, "Come on, come on, come on, come on, you got to finish it." So that was the beautiful thing about this record. Yeah. So smile is out August fourth. We've had. Give me that boom has been a great uh, had some great success so far. I think oh, they're picking it's, a, ba it's a banger. Yeah, it is a definitely one of them stomping tunes. I'm glad we dropped that first. Then we had another one called Set Phases, um, which is the like electronic kind of vibe. And we are and that Germany wanted this other song called If I Could, so that's out in Germany at the moment. They're playing that mm -hmm. on the radio too. So everything's working up, working up nice to for the pyramid of rock. 
and that was the, uh, give me that boom. There's a I saw a great video of you at like a spin class. Yeah, sort of like yeah. a cycling class, and they're playing it, and you're just fucking singing it. Yeah, in the, uh, right. as everyone's yeah, cap, doing the cycle. One of the girls at the gym called Cap. She um she, she likes to put some skins right off. It's fun. Yeah, man. Oh, it's good workout music. Oh, it's definitely that. I mean, my, personally myself, I don't much listen to music in the gym. You know, I I I like to have that time with just me and me. You know, you do it in silence. Not silence. I mean, it's all going on around me. You yeah. know, the music and that. But I don't put no headphones on. I just do my thing. I. And I think that the only time I get away from my phone and all that bollocks is at the gym. So it's nice, you know? Oh, I like listening to podcasts if I'm doing something like that. Do you that. really? Oh, I yeah. couldn't listen. We tried to listen to a podcast, a couple of them, yesterday going up to, the, um, to Surrey from Newport. And I just can't grab them, man. I just, I don't know what it is. I like listening into other people when I'm not doing very much. Like oh, no, I get, the, I get that. I mean, I, I, I do listen to little bits of that Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Um, he has some great guests on there, and because I'm a massive Mike Tyson fan, I, I listen to Mike Tyson now and again. But I don't sit there listening like for an hour or some shit, no. mm-hmm. you know. But oh, I do I... listen to little bits and pieces. I love hearing people's stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I get audio books as well. Where I'll just... yeah, I, I'm looking. I'm looking for that Ian Winwood as an audio book because I'm crap at reading. So I was kind of. I don't know if you've heard of a guy called Ian Winwood who's a, a journalist. Yeah, yeah it is Ian Winwood. It was yeah. Well, he got a book. I think it's called. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but I want to catch that on a on an um, audio. I want to listen mm-hmm. to that. Now get yourself an Audible account. I'm gonna have to do that, bro. I gotta get myself a YouTube account actually, because I'm fucking sick of them adverts. Oh, if you know, oh, you got you you're gonna pay for YouTube Premium. Gonna have to, mate, because the oh. adverts are killing me. You ever been <laughs> drunk at the party trying to load up and you ain't got the? It's terrible. And it's just like, please oh, you're waiting for the bang at the, You're waiting for this bang at the start, and all of a sudden you get another fucking Nike advert. Nah, man. <laughs> You've had enough. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually caving in to go and say, right, I'm fucking buying YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Give Google that lovely urgent money. Yes, yeah, I'm going to give him uh, some of that money. Uh, right. As we as we come towards the end, there's a couple of thing I, things I always ask people. Okay. Um... And of of course, I can't miss you out of that. I've got to ask you these things. Hit me. What is your proudest achievement or favorite thing you've done? It doesn't necessarily mean it could be a creative thing. It could be a business thing. It could be a work. Th- however you interpret that. What's the thing that you've done that you look at and you go, fuck yeah. You know what? I'm not trying to be a creep or try to sound cool, but I spent some time doing voluntary work in a homeless shelter. And I think that was one of the most satisfying mm-hmm. things I've ever done. No, that's exactly why I asked this question. Yeah, it's... I just, I did some stuff. Uh, I was involved in um, a church in Newport for, for a long time. And um, I got into doing what they call caring hands, which some of the homeless people called scaring hands. Which, <laughs> But um, it was really good because I got to meet a lot of people and f- hear a lot of stories. And I think that was one of the things I did in my life that made me feel quite satisfied. You know, it was, mm-hmm. a, it was, because you you take somebody who just come in fucking flea infested fucking and you take them, shower them up, give them fresh clothes, give them food, give them give them some love and send them on their way. So I think that was I think that was mm-hmm. one of the most one of the most things I you know if when I sit in my life I go that was that was a great time and I enjoyed doing that. And I think because people are endlessly fascinating, I think, and if you give them the time, all of these people oh, yeah. people have their own stories and yeah, it it, it you know maybe part cautionary tale if they found themselves in shit situations and they go, I did this, you know, yeah. This is, and then you're, you know, helping them get back on their feet or at least sorting themselves yeah. out for the time being. Yeah. Um, even if it was just a day, even if it was just for that day, I mean, I loved it. And 
there was a lot of like punk rockers at the time who were coming in there who were just alcoholics and stuff and we were just feeding them and showing them love and it was it was just so nice you know and mm -hmm. some of them i see to this day and then if they're, they're in their right mind and they're, and they're doing okay and that's mm -hmm. that's a nice feeling as well and you know when you see that person's journey but you know you can't ask for better than that no you can't and then one last thing which is is there a i mean i think you sort of answer this by saying this sort of 10 step you're on step three thing is mm -hmm. there a dream thing what's like is there like a goal i'm not necessarily an end goal but like an achievement you'd like to unlock well my my it. achievement i'm gonna need uh a time machine because mm -hmm. i want to go on top of the pops <laughs> <laughs> and that's something i always fucking wanted as a kid to go on top of the pops even if i gotta make it look like i've been on top of the pops one day one day i'll I get that time machine there's a fucking music video I know, right? I, do you know what? I think that would be quite great. Yeah, top of the pops is right. I mean, a lot of bands I've known for years have gone on there, and we, we, we even when it was Dub War, well, especially Dub War, we were always Neely, the Neely band, and then the band we were on tour with last week, they got on there, but not us. So top of the pops. When you find out Joe Black, when you find me a time machine, I'm gone, man. I'm gonna fucking get a number one spot. Me and Lisa Stansfield hanging out together in, in the fucking green room. <laughs> I'm having it. I'm gonna as soon as this Zoom call ends, I'm 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 making some phone calls. Uh, I'll see Please. what scientists I know. Pull We've got to make this together, happen. Uh, yeah. Veggie, thank you so much for chatting to me. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, sir. Honestly, God, it's been a pleasure for me too. Honestly, you know, I mean, you know, grab the ball, get a job done. Thank you very much, and thank you for being interested. Have a wonderful day, man. And that was me and Benji Webb of Skindred and Dove War. I learnt lots of things. I didn't know Benji wrote a children's book. The things, see, you talk to these people and you find out marvellous things about them. Absolutely marvellous things. Hope you enjoyed the chat. Um, I absolutely loved it. I, I left this conversation um, filled with joy. Uh, they're very infectious as a as a as a an, an, and charismatic as a person and um i felt like that rubbed off uh i left i left on a high anyway um i've just heard the door go um a letter may have come through uh it's probably just another bill so uh i'll go deal with that anyway uh see you next week you gorgeous people goodbye Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.